Hi, I'm Ernest from TechChill and you are listening to TechChill Podcast. Here we share news and interviews from our various events and speak with changemakers from different fields. Today's episode is on stock options and talent. Dominic Jacuzon, Director of Talent at Index Ventures, explains why stock options are so powerful and how entrepreneurs should allocate them across their team for maximum benefit. Hi, everybody. Dominic Jackson from Index Ventures. Great to be here today. I want to tell you a little bit about research that I've been doing with Index Ventures uh, for well over a year now, a year and a half, about uh, stock options and how you can use stock options most effectively as European founders for attracting and retaining talent. So just a little something about Index first. So we're a multi-stage VC. We're a 22-year-old European-born VC firm. Uh, we invest from London and San Francisco across the whole of Europe and the US. About 160 companies in the portfolio, and there's some listed here. Uh, our sweet spots are Series A. Uh, we have about 6 billion euros under management. So I've been there about six and a half, seven years, and had the privilege of seeing a lot of these companies grow up from being you know, little babies, 10, 20 people, all the way through to now, uh, which is a fantastic uh, opportunity to draw best practice out of. And in my role, which is a talent role, I, 100% of my time is working with our founders on any issues to do with talent. So that can be building leadership teams, it can be org design, it can be how you build recruiting muscle, uh, it, and one of the sort of issues which comes up most often and, and always comes up when I speak to founders in Europe is uh, what should I do with equity? What, what should I do with, with stock options? And I've got this carve out uh, of, in my cap table for employees, but I don't know how to allocate it uh, and how to make it work most effectively. So out of that, I started building a data set uh, of benchmarks and comparing our US and European uh, benchmarks as well. And then that turned into a playbook uh, and a slide deck until we finally said, look, this is a really common need across the ecosystem. So let's do something uh, that's open source this effectively. So that's what we did. First, sort of wrote a book. So there's a book covering all the research here. And then everything in this book is available as a, a, a online uh, on our website as well, together with an app, uh, a web app, to help you allocate stock options across your team. Um, and all of these slides, and actually an extended version of these slides, are also available online, just so you all know as resources. So, um, <clears throat> you know, we think, at Index, we think over the last few years in Europe, we've seen a sea change in the funding environment. We've, you know, there's been a lot of new funds opening up, uh, uh, there's a lot more capital available and capital's reaching parts of Europe that it didn't a decade ago. It's not to say it's an easy job for any of you as founders to uh, fundraise. I'm never going to pretend that. But we sort of feel that for the most ambitious uh, uh, entrepreneurs out there, now the, the key bottleneck to growth is shifting from being financial constraints to being constraints on human capital. And that's to do with attracting and hiring talent, uh, with retaining talent, and motivating and aligning teams as well. And when you're trying to achieve these things, you're competing against much more, you're, you're competing for the same talent, you know, digitally savvy or technical talent that a lot more deep-pocketed organizations than yourselves are, are trying to hire. 
and retain. So banks, consultancies, and uh, corporates, as well as obviously other startups. So the question is, how do you do that? How can you compete when you're cash-strapped against those sort of uh, organizations? And as a startup, you've got two secret weapons, right? So the first one, which is absolutely critical, is around culture and mission, right? So you have to build that sort of culture and uh, have a narrative around your mission that's going to really appeal to people and bring them in. And obviously, being a startup is an increasingly attractive career option for uh, you know, a growing proportion of people in the workplace who want to be part of a small team where they've got a, a key role in decision-making. So that's great. But there's a second thing as well, financial upside. Right? You're not going to be paying the same salaries in most cases that these individuals could get uh, if they went and joined a corporate. Uh, and you're definitely not going to be able to offer the same sort of benefits or job security. But you can offer a slice in your company. Right? And this is, the, this is a sort of perfected in Silicon Valley through the use of stock options. Um, I.e. you give up some of the equity in your business, uh, a slice of equity that if the company does well, it could be something really attractive and potentially life-changing for individuals uh, in due course. So when you look, when we sort of did research on uh, benchmarking the US versus Europe, uh, this, is a, this is a graph showing from inception seed through series A to D what the ownership structure in startups looks like in the US. So obviously inception, founders own 100%. And as you raise fundraise, uh, the, the founder share of equity uh, is diluted, obviously, and that's mainly taken up by investors on the cap table. Um, you know, obviously, that looks like a bad thing from a founder, but obviously, you have to look at valuations through that. And if you look at a, a, a typical Series C or Series D valuation of being like $500 million, that sort of founder share of 10 to 20% becomes really very, uh, uh, pretty incredible sums of money. But what we're interested in today is the red segment. The red segment is what is allocated to employees on the cap table. So in the US, there's a pretty well-defined playbook for uh, employee equity. At the seed stage, you carve out a 10% ESOP, and that's pretty standard in Europe as well. Then Series A, you increase the size of the ESOP. Yeah, that's the ESOP, by the way, is the portion of the cap table reserved for employees. Uh, you increase it to 15%. So with each funding round, there's obviously a dilution, so that 10% allocated to employees in the seed round will be diluted to maybe 7 or 8%, and then you, it gets topped up and increased to 15%. So you have another big chunk of equity that you can hand out to employees. And then with each funding round thereafter, you add another 1% or 2% to the, uh, to the ESOP. So that by the time you're late stage, you've got 20% or more of the business is owned by employees. Um, when you look at Europe, it's a very different situation. That's basically the white line there. The standard, I mean, there's a lot of variability in Europe. You know, it's not such a playbook as it is in the US. Uh, but the standard model is you have a 10% ESOP, and then with each funding round, that gets diluted, and it gets topped back up to 10%. Diluted, topped back up to 10%. So by the time you're a late-stage startup in Europe, only half as much equity is in the hands of employees uh, as in the US. And uh, we think this is a problem. You know, we think this is clearly a problem for the ecosystem because it means that you've got fewer employees coming out of successful startups 
having really made significant amounts of money uh, that allows them to then become the next generation of founders or angel investors, which is what really feeds the whole growth of ecosystems. So we think that's important, a really big drawback in Europe at the ecosystem level. But for individual companies, it's also an issue because it means if you're not give, offering enough equity, it's very hard for you to uh, attract and particularly to retain the sort of world-class talent that you need to build a world-class company. So what is, why is there this big difference? By the way, there's another difference here as well. If you look in the US, that equity is divided up. Uh, the ESOP equity is divided up. About one-third goes to the leadership or executive team and two-thirds goes to the rest of the team. Whereas in Europe, it's generally about the other way around. So two-thirds of the equity is going to the execs and only one-third going to the broader team. Um, so it's just an important thing to note as well. So why are there these differences? Well, four factors to uh, identify you know, in this. One is government policy, right? Which varies massively across Europe. Some places in Europe uh, are, have fantastic regulation, low bureaucracy, uh, low taxation, uh, in, in the way, in the treatment of stock options. Uh, and in fact, in the research which I did, which covered 22 different countries, Estonia came out as the, uh, the best uh, environment for stock options in the world, uh, way better than the US and better than anywhere else I looked at. So that's a big plus. Um, but other countries in Europe, like Germany and uh, uh, Sweden and Spain, are really not very good. Um, so that's one thing. But obviously, as founders, you can't change that. We're trying to change that, uh, and we've um, launched a program called Not Optional, which is uh, a scheme to... Uh, we, we've got... It's an open letter for policymakers, two policymakers from European founders, uh, asking them to make the changes that uh, we need them to, to make employee ownership more attractive. So if you go to Not Optional, uh, our website, you can sign up there and join 500 other... European founders, including most uh, founders of uh, European unicorns, uh, to support that initiative. But the other three factors, second is mindset, and that's probably what I want to try and change, as, you know, if, if, it's, if you're not already fully on board with uh, what I'm saying, to try and like, uh, help you to make that jump. Because as founders, obviously, equity is the most precious thing you have. It's the, uh, the ownership of your baby. And giving it up is, uh, feels difficult. But I'm sort of, our, our argument would be it's better to share the pie in order to grow a bigger pie than to hold on to it and potentially have a smaller pie. So it's that mindset of founders and investors sometimes that needs to shift. But it's also the risk appetite of talent. Because obviously it's difficult in Europe, not many people uh, insist on having equity when they join a startup. So it's very easy for a, as a founder to say, well, why should I give up my most precious asset if I'm not required to by the market, if the talent isn't requiring it? Uh, and that's a key, yeah, it's, it's a key argument uh, against what I'm saying. But I, my, my counter to that is you might not need that equity to hire those people in the first place. But if you imagine a few years down the line, if, when you're successful and you've grown, grown up and you're suddenly hot property you're going to have a lot of other companies trying to hire your team because you're known as having a great team. And if you haven't created a moat, a prote protection mechanism to retain those people, they'll be very tempted to jump ship uh, and join somewhere else where they can earn more and that might be offering them very attractive equity. So if you offer the equity early when you have a low valuation, 
it locks in and motivates your top people. Uh, and the fourth one is lack of benchmarks, just you know, how much should you offer? So I'm going to jump in with a few tips here. There's, I've got, there's loads of tips in the book, and this whole deck, which has 20 tips, is online on the site, but I'm just going to give you a flavor for some key ones um, in the remaining time. So first one, right size your ESOP. So you, we, I showed you the graph earlier about the size of ESOPs in Europe and the US, and the Europe being a flat line 10%. In the next generation of successful European startups, we believe that ESOP size is going to steadily increase with each round. So it might start at 10% at seed and then go 12, 14, 16% with each round. And if you're in a deep tech sort of sector where that technical talent is really, really hard to attract and retain, it might be more like 12, 14, 16, 18. So that's like a top-down view of how much you should allocate your ESOP. Um, second one is like, what should your allocations be when you're at seed stage? So for those ver first few employee hires that you make. Now, I mentioned this web app that we developed called Option Plans. If you can go to optionplan.com, it will tell you how, it will guide you through like, what's your valuation? What's your funding situation? A few simple questions like that. And then you can set up your team according to seniority and role, and it will suggest to you benchmarks for what you should allocate. Just to give you a flavor, generally if a senior, a very senior software engineer uh, in a seed stage company, you might be looking at somewhere between 1% and 2% uh, equity. For a mid-level software engineer, it might be half percent. Um, for a junior one, it might be 0 0.1, 0.15. Uh, but those benchmarks are all wrapped into the app. So I'd recommend that you uh, go there uh, to find out more. Uh, when you're making grants at seed stage, an important thing to bear in mind, the difference between the US and Europe, in the US, seed stage companies will almost always already have the legal plan for, the, for stock options in place because it's boilerplate, it's very cheap to set up. Uh, you, know, you don't even need a lawyer, it's just sort of, or you hardly need a lawyer, it's very, very cheap. In Europe, it's much more fiddly, it costs more money, so often founders say, we won't do it until we raise a Series A. Therefore, if you're making option grants to seed stage employees in Europe, often, not always, but often, there'll be promises. And when you're making promises without a legal backing, you need to reassure the employee that it's real, but at the same time, you need to be very clear what is being offered and what isn't. So watch out for things like, if you talk about ownership of the company, are you talking about before or after your next fundraise? If you're talking about the date, when does the vesting period on the option start? Is that from the date that you set up the plan or is it from the date that the employee started? There's things like this that you need to be very clear about because we've seen situations where promises are made and then when the actual plan is set up, maybe six months, 12 months later, there's a disagreement between the founders and the employee as to what was promised. And that can then cause a negative feeling. So be very careful about that. Um, next recommendation we'd have is make everyone an owner. Right? Is give some equity to, some stock options to every individual in your team. And this applies even as you're growing to you know, at least up to 150 employees. Um, there's some data here showing how frequently that happens, right? In, in Silicon Valley, it's close to 100% of startups will give equity to everybody uh, through to that type of size. 
Um, if you look at rest of the US and the UK, it's about two thirds. But the rest of Europe, it's only about a third of startups do this. Um, we feel this should change. Partly it's just about startup culture and being part of that culture of where if inclusivity and uh, high motivation and alignment in your team that everybody has a stake, you're all pulling in the same direction. But there's also a very pragmatic reason for this, which is it comes back to um, people in Europe often don't really understand stock options. So a large part of your task if you're, when you're using stock options is educating your team, uh, making them aware of the value of the stock options and why it uh, should be part motivational for them. If you're only giving stock options to some people in the team, it's very difficult to scream and shout about, uh, about it in all-hands meetings or when you have off-sites or whatever. You have to pull in a few chosen people in the team, and that can create a, uh, uh, a sense of them and us. It can create negative feelings in the team. So even if you're only giving a very small amount of equity to some people in the team, give something to everybody. Um, this is a, sorry, it might be uh, too small to read, but if, if you know something about how stock options work, the classic model in the US is a four-year vesting. So you, you make a grant, and then that, that is vests over four years. Each year, 25% of the, of the grant will vest. Usually it's monthly, actually, but just for, for ease of explanation. Now, that's fine, and that's a standard model. In Europe, I think that we can... Actually, we've, we've got an opportunity to do what a lot of US companies would love to do, which is backweight, backload the vesting. So rather than it being 25, 50, 75, 100% vested, you go like 10, 20, 30, 40. So the vesting is loaded to the end of the life of the uh, option grant. The reason why this is uh, useful and good is because, as I mentioned earlier, Stock options are, are at least as helpful in Europe for retaining people as they are for hiring. So backloading the vesting really helps with retention because the real value in the stock options is later in the life. So I'd say even give a larger grant to people, but backload it, and that really helps on the retention. And there are European companies like Farfetch which uh, already uh, take this approach, uh, and I think it will become more common, so think about it. Just to give you a few other benchmarks, just for later life, you know, because I'm sure most of you are seed stage, but like when you're the type of quantum, and again, this is all in the option plan app, but to give you a sense, if you're talking about executive hires, right, so you get to series A, you start hiring some C-level or VP-level uh, people into your team. C-level, probably about 1% is the average, somewhere 1% plus minus of ownership and VP level, half a percent, plus minus ownership. So if you had an amazing billion dollar exit, and I know I can like shout about that, but we've had like 10 in the last two years, so it does happen, um, but you're talking about really life-changing sums of money that these people make, and that's what you need often to get world-class talent. Um, for other people in your team, I suggest not talking about percentage ownership of the company, but talk about a percentage of the salary as a stock option grant, so it's a euro's value of the grant. So there's that. Um, and that's just a roll-up of what that looks like in total. Now, I'm out of time, so I'm just going to throw up here just a few headlines from, which is on the deck, which is online, uh, for other tips and recommendations we have about how you should set up and use your 
your stock option plan. So please feel free to go to indexventures.com slash rewarding talent and all these resources are there. So the deck, the entire like 150 page book and the app. And we're getting about 150 unique uses uh, a day uh, already on this. So it's becoming like the default uh, uh, playbook for allocating equity. And we think that will really help the ecosystem and with you, with your, building your companies. Right, I'm out. Thank you. <laughs>